praise the Lord. Welcome everyone once again to church this morning. We're continuing the series on hope. Hope is here. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, I'll read verse 12 to 15. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And who is he that will harm you, if you are followers of that which is good? But if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye. And be not afraid of your terror, and not be troubled. Verse 15. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts, and be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you, a reason for the hope that you have with meekness and fear. It says be ready to give an answer to him that asks you a reason for the hope that you have. This morning, we'll continue on that series of hope. Hope for the ignorant. What does it mean to be ignorant? To be ignorant means not to know. Not to know as much as we ought to. Not to have adequate knowledge about something. There is hope for the ignorant. Paul said in First Thessalonians 4.13, he says, Brethren, I will not like you to be ignorant concerning the second coming and behave like those who do not have hope. You see those two statements in that verse. Hope for the ignorant. I will not have you to be ignorant concerning the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and behave like those who do not have hope. There is hope for the ignorant. Father, we are here again this morning. Not because we want to, not because we have to, but because this is the altar. This is the place where we have fellowship with you. This is the place where we meet with you and our lives is transformed. This is the place where we have that fellowship, that communion as a church, as individuals, as families. We thank you because you've gathered us again into your presence. We pray as we come to this part of the service this morning that you be with us. We ask, O oh God, that you give hope to the hopeless. We ask, O oh God, that you open our hearts to understand your word, open our mind to be receptive, our spirit to be open, and at the end of the day, we'll become better persons, we'll become better Christians, we'll become hopeful people in the name of Jesus. Satan, you have no part or lot in this service. We bind you and we say, do not have your place in this place this morning in Jesus' name. We come open this service unto God's hands and we ask, O oh God, that God's presence will be mighty. Thank you because we keep coming back. We keep coming back you keep, because you keep blessing us. Thank you because this day we shall be blessed. This day we shall be transformed. Our expectation shall never be disappointed. Thank you, Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Somebody say, hope for the ignorant. If you want to hear hope for the ignorant, say, hmm, hmm, hmm. <laughs> Hallelujah. What does it mean to be ignorant? Or what does it mean to be hopeful? To be hopeful is to have an expectation of something that God has promised you. One situation which every one of us has found ourselves at one time or the other is a situation where we are hopeless. When the thing that you desire, you no longer expect that to happen. To be hopeless is a situation where you've desired for things, you've prayed for things, you've asked God for things, your heart desire for certain things, but the expectation that those things will happen is no longer there. That is a situation of hopelessness. And this morning, uh, this month, throughout this series, it's a situation where we are giving people hope, where God is giving hope again, where God is reactivating that sense of hope. There is hope for ignorance. So God is saying this morning, 
that we need to check that topic that we have not been checking so far. There is hope for ignorance. So God is saying this morning, there are things that you've desired, there are things that you've prayed for, there are things that you've expected in the past, but your expectation is no longer there. That is the situation where you say you are hopeless. This is a slightly different position from where people have a delay, from where people have a delay, a, a, a defar. When we were leading the prayer, when Sister Tony was leading prayer, she talked about um, Proverbs 13, 12, that hope that is deferred makes the soul sick. But when desire comes, it's like a tree of life. When your delay is coming into place, your heart is sick. When there's delay in certain things that you expect, then your heart is sick, your heart is down. But when there is a hopelessness in it, it means you no longer expect it. Though you desire it, though your heart is longing for it, though you are praying for it, though your heart is in there, but the expectation that whatever happened is no longer there. That situation, that circumstance has become a hopeless one. And today, God is here to give us hope for our time of ignorance. So yes, when we talk about hopelessness, it's, it, it, it's a time when certain things in our lives have triggered it. There are many events in our lives that we've seen in time past that have triggered that position of being hopeless. There are times when we've looked at ourselves. That's the first thing. Many times we look at ourselves and we feel hopeless. We look at our condition. And I remember when we were young and we were seeking admission into the university. When we saw the first list was placed, though you passed the exam, though you desire to go into the university, you pray for it, you expect it. The first list came, came out and you go to the board and you check and your name is not there and you hope again. You hope and hope the fire made the soul sick. You hope again that your name will be on there. And the second list comes out and your name is not there. And they press the final list and they say, this is the final list. As long as that list says final, then you know it is a hopeless situation. What do we do? We go back and prepare for another exam. We go back and we enter into computer school. We go back and we learn one skill, one trade or the other. Because that situation for that year has become hopeless. When the first list came out, we were still hopeful. We were still expecting. Our hearts were sick because we don't know. But when they say it is final, then it became a hopeless situation. Are you that kind of a person who's looked at yourself and feel Hopeless. I am feeling hopeless. When the Abraham, when, when Abraham was, when Abraham was ministering to the angels, certain angels were going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 18. They went there and they sat with Abraham and they discussed with him. As soon as finished discussing, they said that, that and they finished the prophecy. They said about this time next year, your wife Sarah will give birth to a child. Sarah heard it and Sarah laughed because Sarah at that point had become hopeless. Are you that kind of a person who looks at yourself? And you feel hopeless about certain things. Sarah laughed because she did not believe. Sarah had become hopeless. Though the desire was there that she would have a baby, though the, the prayer was there that she would have a baby, but the expectation that you, she would have it was no longer there. And that's the reason why Sarah, Sarah opted for that option to give unto Abraham her housemaid, which is Hagar. And, it, and they had a child through Hagar. Because though the desire to have a baby is still there, but the expectation for that baby was no longer there. Don't forget that I said that hopelessness is when you have a desire for something, but your expectation that it will ever be accomplished is no longer there. But Sarah did not have hope anymore. That's why she said, I am not able. I am well speaking in age. Another person was Zachariah. The same angel Gabriel that appeared to, that appeared to Mary told Mary in Luke chapter 1 and said that behold, thou shalt conceive a child and his name shall be called Jesus and he shall be the savior of the world. The same angel. And Mary said, be it unto me according to your word because she's hopeful that something will come out of this. But when the angel appeared unto Zachariah, 
Zachariah and told Zachariah something of prophecy. He said, this, this, um, this son, you shall have, your wife shall conceive and shall have a son, and his name shall be John, and he shall come in the spirit and the power of Elijah. And told him all sorts of prophecy. He will turn the heart of the father to the children, after the heart of disobedience to the judge. He gave all sorts of prophecy, and Zachariah could not believe it. And Zachariah said, the, the, the fact that Zachariah was still praying, because when the angel came, in Luke 1, 13, the angel said, your prayer has been heard. It shows that Zachariah was still praying for it. Zachariah was still hoping for it. No, Zachariah was still praying for it. Zachariah was still believing. He was still expecting. He was still hoping. He was still believing. But that expectation is there. But when the angel came and said, you will have a son and his name shall be John, he said, can these things be? He said, how can these things be? I am old. I am well stricken in age. My wife Elizabeth is old and she's well stricken in age. So that's kind of position that Zachariah put himself was that he looked at himself. He looked at his body. He looked at his wife's body and he said, this situation is a hopeless situation. It's a hopeless situation. So many, many times we look at ourselves and we feel hopeless. Another thing that triggers hopelessness in us as Christians is that we look not just at ourselves, we look at inside us. We look within ourselves and we feel hopeless. Many, many times people have looked within themselves and said, this situation, I don't have the strength for it. When you begin to look at your condition as outside, or you begin to look at your strength, your ability, your capacity inside, and say, this thing, I am not able to do it. When everybody's talking about a dream to achieve, when everybody's talking about a goal to achieve, you just know that this thing is beyond me. That is a condition of defeat. It is a condition of hopelessness. Many, many times we've had situations in our life, we've had circumstances in our life, we've had, we have challenges that we face in our lives, and we feel that this situation is hopeless because inside of me, I'm unable to do it. When Paul was struggling with sin, he says, the sin that I do not want to commit, I find myself doing it. The things I do want to do, I don't find myself doing it. And why is it? He said, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of the flesh? In Romans 7, 18, the apostle Paul said, he said that in me, inside of me, yet dwelleth no good. Have you looked at yourself, at your condition, and you say you are hopeless? Have you looked at your situation? Or you look at your strength inside, and you feel hopeless about it? Forgetting that First Samuel 2 9 says that by strength shall no man prevail. It is not be it is not for your own strength to prevail. It is not by power that you prevail. It's not by your mind that you prevail. It is by the Spirit of God. Zachariah 4 says, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit. So people look at themselves, people look within themselves, and they feel hopeless concerning situations. They feel hopeless concerning circumstances. They feel hopeless concerning whatever is standing in front of them. They feel hopeless concerning the things that they desire for, the things they are praying about, the things they are expecting, the things that they are, that they are looking forward to. They feel hopeless about the future. Number three, another thing people do is that not just they look at themselves, not just they look at themselves within, but they look at their past. They look at their past and they feel hopeless. How they struggle through everything in life. Everything that they've had to achieve in life has been to struggle, to fight. It has never been easy. You hear people make statements and say, things have never gone my way. I have never been that lucky. I've never been that fortunate. That situation they are is a situation where they are hopeless. Are you, are you that kind of a person that whatever faces you today, you look at your past immediately, you tap into your past and say, when everybody wrote that exam in school and passed first time, I had to write it six times. Therefore, I'm not going into this next exam. Because you look at your past and you say, this situation is hopeless. There are many people that they would have moved on from their current situation at their place of work, but they are scared to start an exam. They are afraid to start to lay their hands on another professional exam. Because the last one they started, 
It took a lot of effort to pass it. They failed the first time. They didn't make it the second time. They didn't come make the cut-off point the third time. And many things have happened. And they feel that now that I've eventually passed that one, I looked at my past and I said, this coming one is a hopeless situation. I would not get involved in it. Have you looked at yourself inside? Have you looked at yourself at your conditions outside? Have you looked into your past and feel that a particular situation, a particular circumstance is hopeless? This day, you need to turn your directions to God and receive hope in Jesus' name. Another thing that we've done, that not just have we looked at ourselves, not just have we looked at ourselves within, not just have we looked into our past, but we also looked around us. Many, many times we look around us and we determine that a situation is hopeless. When we look around the church and say, I've been looking for a genuine friend. I've been looking for somebody who will stand for me. I've been looking for someone who I can depend on. You look at yourself and you say, this condition is hopeless. Can I ever have a friend? What a friend we have in Jesus. What a friend we have in him. For to fear nothing. People have looked around them. They've looked at their spouse. Can I rely on this person in my old age? They've looked at their children and said, the way this child is going, will this child ever be there around me to take care of me when I'm eventually old? They looked at themselves not just inside. They look at themselves not just outside. They look not only at their past, but they've looked around them. Job looked around him when he had gone through all he went through. In Job 3, 1, he looked at and said, Cost be the day that I was born. Are you that kind of a person who looks just not, not just at your condition around you, not just within yourself, not just um, into your past, but you look into the things around you? Jesus said in Luke, 1, Luke 21, 26, it says, Men's hearts shall fill them. In other words, people shall be hopeless. For looking around at those things that shall happen around the world, because the power of the earth shall be shaken. So when you look around you, many, many times you have a reason to be hopeless. People are, you find situation, and you yourself may be there, having there. When the best of best of people have looked, the best of best of prophets. If, if Paul, as an apostle, can say, in me dwelleth no good, anybody can fall into that category, that they will be hopeless. But we looked at ourselves, we looked within ourselves, we looked at our past, we looked around us, and we felt hopeless. Many, many times you've heard people. Parents say that every child in North America, I mean, they, you have good aspirations, you have hope for your child. It is within your desire, it is within your aspiration that this child will become the prime minister, this child will become a doctor, you become a pilot, you become an engineer, you become that which God has created him to be. But you look within yourself and you look around you and say, look, this Canada that we are in, this North America, every child is just there, they are just average. And you begin to form that, 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 that bubble of hopelessness. You begin to form that heart of hopelessness. God is saying to us that this morning, you need not look at yourself. You need not look within yourself. You need not look into your past. You need not look around you anymore. Many, many times we've had children that we expect them to be better Christians. We've had children that we expect them to be wiser children. We've had children that we expect them to be good citizens. But you see them begin to bring up their teenage attitude. You see them begin to bring up their, their, their youthful exuberance. And you lose hope that this child may not make it in life. Instead of you hoping that this child will go to the best of best of universities in Harvard, you begin to think about NBCC College and say, let them just learn plumbing and let's manage things. It is a situation. That thought in your heart is a situation of hopelessness. Because don't forget, I said, hopelessness is a, situation, is a situation where though you desire it, though you pray for it, though you believe it, though you are acting toward it, but you no longer believe it will happen for you. You no longer believe it will take place. And this morning, I want you to begin, you go back from this service and begin to look at your child in a different light. Begin to look at your spouse in a different light. You have many, many sisters or married women say, look, I know, I know my husband is cheating. I know my husband is unfaithful. I know my husband started to smoke again. I know my
my husband started to drink secretly. But as long as he doesn't bring a baby home, as long as he doesn't bring STIs home, I'm okay. I don't want to know the details. And you find that situation. When you find such situations, you know that though the ladies believe that this husband should be faithful, though they expect that this husband should be faithful, but that desire is not being met, then the situation has become that of hopelessness. Though they desire that their husband should be faithful, though they desire that their spouse should be faithful, though they desire that their spouse should stop smoking and stop drinking, they are hopeless concerning it. And they say, as long as the church doesn't find out, as long as it doesn't get anyone pregnant, as long as it doesn't rape anybody, I am okay, I am not interested in the detail. That is the condition of hopelessness. So hopelessness is one thing we need to address. Hope is here this morning, and God will meet everybody at the point of their need. Number five, what, what other things triggers hopelessness? Not only do we look at ourselves, not only do we look around us, not only do we look inside of us, within, not only do we look at our past, but people look at the future. People look at the future and believe there is no longer hope. The way the economy is, the way this country is, the way our lives have been framed, the way they've had to struggle through things. Many, many times people look into the future and they feel there is no longer hope. Elijah is a prophet of God. That's why I said hopelessness can happen to any situation, anybody in any, at any stage in their life. Hopelessness can happen to anybody who is in any situation. It happened to Elijah. It happened to Paul. When Elijah had finished a miracle, he prayed for three and a half years. There was no rain on earth. And after he prayed, there was rain, and they went to Mount Carmel. And we sing that song, the God of Elijah sent down fire. And God answered him on the Mount of Carmel. And God sent down fire, and fire consumed the sacrifice that they made. And after that, all the prophets of Baal, Elijah commanded, and they slaughtered it. And there was only one person, the queen mother at the time, the wife of King Ahab. She sent a message, Jezebel by name. She sent a message to Elijah and said, God, deal with me if I do not cut off your head by tomorrow. Elijah ran out of city. Elijah went into hiding. Elijah said to God, 1 Kings 19.14, he said, it is better for me to die than to live. It takes away my life. That is a hopeless situation. A hopeless situation that he has looked into the future, not just looked around him, that all the prophets. He because Elijah first of all said, he said that everybody had bowed their knees to bow except me. God said, no, look around you properly. I have reserved 7,000 prophets who have not bowed their knees to bow, who have not bowed their knees to bow. Around again, he looked within himself. He said, this thing, I don't have energy for it. When eventually he looked into the future and he says, this woman will eventually kill me. I'm not willing to go into this battle. Yes, I have killed the prophet of Baal, but that is the woman, Jezebel. She wants to, and she said, take my life. I do not want to live. It is better for me to die than to live. Ecclesiastes 9, 4 says, a living dog is better than a dead lion. But Elijah, as a lion then, he said, it is better for me to die than to live. He looked into the future. When, Paul, when Saul, the, Saul the king, had pursued David, he pursued him from the from, 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 from the palace. He tried to throw a javelin at him. He pursued him into the cave of Adullam. He pursued him everywhere. David woke up one morning. In First Samuel 27.1, David said, I know one day I would perish in the hand of Saul. I would not always be lucky to escape. He knows one day I will, as he said, one day I know I will perish in this hand of Saul. This is somebody who has been anointed by the, by the most eminent of prophets, Prophet Samuel at the time. He's been anointed that he'll be king over Israel. He knows that he has slaughtered Goliath. He has conquered the greatest enemy. But he said, one day I will perish in the hand of Saul. So not only do people look at themselves at their conditions, people look within themselves at their strength, people look at their past, at their experience, people look around them at the things that surround them. 
Job said in Job chapter 19 verse 10, he says that God has destroyed me everywhere around me and has taken away my hope from me. So people look into the future as well and say, this condition is hopeless. This circumstance is hopeless. This trouble, this trouble that is pressing me on every side, it has brought to me a condition of hopelessness. And though they pray for it, though they desire it, though they, they, they have a yearning, though they have a yearning that this need needs to be met, surely there's an end and the expectation of the just shall not be caught up. God said this morning, there is hope here. And God is trying to minister to everyone hope in this church this month. God is trying to minister to everyone. Last week we heard about hope for the merciful. We heard about hope for the broken hearted. Now it is hope for the ignorant. Paul said, I will not have you ignorant concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ as people who do not have hope. So there is hope for the ignorant. And be ready. Be ready. Where we read in First Peter chapter 3 verse 15. He said, be ready to give an answer to everyone that asks you the reason for the hope that you have. What is the reason that you have that hope? What is the reason that you have that hope? So people look at themselves, they look at themselves within, they look at their past, they look around them, they look at the things that are happening around the world and their heart is shaking. They look into the future. They look into the future and they lose hope. Forgetting Jeremiah 29, 11, he said, This I know the thought that I have for you, the thought of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. But are you that kind of a person that you're looking at your future? And you are losing hope. Even if Jesus, if God has said, I know the thought that I have for you to give you a future, not just a future, but to give you a hope. So whenever you think about the future, it's because there is hope in the future. Whenever you think about what God is about to do, it's because there is hope for what God is about to do in the future. Confident expectation of good fortune against the time to come. That is what hope is. Hope maketh not ashamed. When you're going through trouble, when you're going through tribulation, when you're going through affliction, Romans 5, 3 says, tribulation worketh experience, experience worketh hope, and hope will not make you ashamed. If there is anything that will not make you ashamed, it is hope. It is hope that you should have to tell anyone, to give them a reason for the hope that you have. So God is saying this morning that although things do not look the way they are now, although things do not look the way you expect them to be, confidently expect that God will do it. God who has promised will do it. That's what he said in his word. He says, so is the word that proceeds out of my mouth. They shall not return to me void. They shall prosper in that which I send it and I shall accomplish that which I please. There is hope in our end. The thought that God has for us is of good and not of evil to give us a future and a hope. Now, having said that, I'll read First Corinthians 13 verse 13 where we are making an error. Where I have made an error. The Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, it says, Now there abideth faith, hope, and charity. These three, but the greatest faith of these is charity. There abideth faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of all is charity. Many, many times we've read into the scriptures what the Bible has not said in the scripture. One thing I did when I was growing up is that I saw that, yes, the Bible is explicit about what the greatest is there, that there abided faith, hope, and charity, but the greatest of all is charity. I've looked at that scripture many, many times as a child, and I felt that, well, if God said the greatest is charity of God, charity means love, and love is the nature of God. Of course, undoubtedly, is the greatest. But I have read another meaning into that scripture which it did not, it did not say. I've ranked faith as the next thing. If you ask, if you take a sense of this money, everybody knows about charity. Everybody knows about God is love. And when I mean charity, I don't mean it's a charity. Everybody knows about charity. Everybody knows about love. Everybody knows about um, the, 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 the 
love that God has for us. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4, God says, I have loved thee with a great love. We're not about love. Jesus said unto us in John 13, 1, he said, having loved his own, he loved them to the very end. We talk, and we can talk about love. We talk about faith a lot. Many people have faith in God. They have faith towards God. They know Ephesians 2, 8, that says that by faith, are we, by grace, are we saved through faith. We know all these things that God has saved us, that we have faith, we have love. But we have relegated the third part. God said, and Paul said that there are three things. Faith, hope, and love. The greatest is love. The equally, equally, faith and hope. But I've ranked, I've ranked love as the greatest, and I've put faith as the next level. And you know nothing about hope. I've grown up as a person who knew nothing about hope. And this morning, there's the correction that needs to be made. Faith, hope, and love are the three great things. But the greatest of it is love. It doesn't put faith at the second. In fact, there is no way you can have faith. Pastor Bisi mentioned this last week. There is no way really that you can have faith without having hope. There is no way you can have faith. There is no way you can exercise faith without having hope. Hebrews 11.1 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you don't hope for it, there is no way you can have faith as it were. It's clear. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that is not seen. By it, the elders obtain a good report. If you need a good report, you need to have hope first. Then it's the foundation. Then you give faith on it. Yes, three things, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of it is love, but it doesn't mean the least of it is hope. God wants us to work on that subject of hope. Because if you take a sense of this morning, everybody knows about love. They can talk about love. They can preach about love. They can say how, how much God has loved us. Hosea 14, for God has loved us with an everlasting love. He has loved us freely, with a free love. We can talk about all these things of love. We can talk about faith, how faith which is impossible. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. We can talk about all those things. But when it comes to the subject of hope, we are ignorant about it. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, Brethren, I will not have you to be ignorant. Concerning this topic this morning, it is hope for the ignorant. I will not have you to be ignorant. God wants us to have faith. God wants us to have hope. God wants us to have love. The greatest of all is love, but it doesn't mean the youngest or the smallest or the most or the least important. It is, it is hope. It is still a great thing. God wants us to have faith. He wants us to have hope. He wants us to have love. As much as we know that faith saves, we also know that hope saves because there's no way you can have faith without having hope. Romans 8 24, it says, by hope are we saved. We need to have that hope. Hope in the resurrection. Hope in the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are like I read earlier in First Thessalonians 4, 13, it says, we do, our brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant about these things that, behave, that, that you begin to behave like those who do not have hope. Concerning the second coming, Lord wants us to understand that faith is great, hope is great, and love is great. The greatest may be love, but it doesn't mean that we read into that scripture that hope is the least significant. Because many times we've not dealt with that subject of hope. Hope is an anchor of the soul that is sure and steadfast. God wants us to develop that subject of hope in our life because there's no way you would have faith without having hope. How do you develop your faith? The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Whenever we want to hear the word of God, we know that we are building our faith. But how do you, how, how, do you, how, how does that happen? It, it looks all theory to me at the end of the day. I remember two weeks ago, Sister Dami gave all the teenagers assignments and said we should read Psalm 119. There's a verse, there's a, there's a phrase there that's repeated way more than any other phrase. It is, I have hope in your word. Psalm 119, what? 146, 140, 140, 114. It says, I have hope in your word. It is repeated time and time again. So if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it is the hope in the word of God that would establish your faith. Without faith, 
you cannot please God. For without hope, you cannot have that faith as it were. We many times we call Abraham the father of faith. I'll read quickly a scripture for us where we call Abraham the father of faith. Abraham as the father of faith. Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4 verse 16. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace. To the end, the promise might be sure to all seed. Not only to those which is of the law, but that which is of the faith of Abraham. You see that now? To that which is of the faith of Abraham. Who is the father of us all? Verse 17. I have made thee a father of many nations, before whom he had believed, and called those things that be not as though they were. Verse 18. That's where I'm going. He says, who against hope? Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations? According as it is written, so shall thy seed be. So, if Abraham is seen as the father of faith, Verse 18 in here saying, who against hope, believed in hope, that he might become the father of many generations. So hope is what stabilized Abraham. Hope is what stabilized his life. Hope is what, though his body was dead, though he was old in age, though his wife was worse stricken in age, he believed God. He kept believing that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above what he asked or think according to his power that is at work. He kept believing because hope will keep you believing. Hope will keep you confessing. Hope will keep you praying. Hope will keep that expectation there. Surely there's an end, but the expectation of the righteous shall not be disappointed. So hope is a situation where you have a confident expectation of good fortune against the time to come. When you look into the future and you know that this thing that desire will deliver. You know that this thing that I desire for my spouse, this thing that I desire for myself, this thing that I desire for my children, this thing that I desire concerning my job, concerning my business, concerning the economy, concerning my neighbor, concerning this church, these things shall come to pass. Then it's a situation where you are hopeful for. If you have the prayer, if you have the desire, and the expectation of it happening is no longer there, the expectation of it happening is no longer taking place, then it is a hopeless situation. There is no way you would have hope there is no way you will have faith if you don't have hope. Many, many times the reason why your faith is ineffective is because that subject of hope, you've been ignorant about it. The reason why your faith is not as strong, the reason why your faith is not as strong is because you do not have hope that what you pray for. Because when the angel appeared to Zachariah, he said your prayer is hard. It means he was still praying for it. The reason why your faith is ineffective many times is because you have not had sufficient hope that what God has promised, he is able to do it. When God made promise, he does it. He prays that faith with he who has promised and who also will fulfill it. So there is no way you will have that hope. There is no way you have that hope confidently expecting if you do not, if you do not as it were, believe that God is able to do that which he has said he will do. So God wants us to keep hoping. God wants to, us to liberate ourselves from that place of ignorance and hope in his word. Psalm 119, he says that I will hope in your word. If God has given you a word, you should be ready to give an answer to him that asks you the reason for that hope you have. Do not be ignorant of these things concerning that God, don't behave like those who do not have hope. First Thessalonians 4.13 says, do not behave like those who do not have hope. God wants that subject of hope to be important. The reason, we all know that without faith it's impossible to please God. He that must come to him must believe that he is and is a rewarder. Why should I expect a reward? I have hope that he will give me. Hebrews 11, 1, he says, without faith, it is important. I mean, it is, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Verse 1 says that faith is that substance of things that you've hoped for. If you've not hoped for it, you cannot have faith for it. Because hope is built as a foundation for which your faith should stand upon. So God wants us to know that he has prepared for us three great things. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of all is love. 
but it doesn't mean that we read into that scripture that I've done when I was younger, that we read into that scripture things that were not saved. Two Christmas ago, and I think in 2020, um, 2018, pastor was preaching a sermon on hope. And he says, if you lose anything in life, please, please, do not lose that word called hope. Do not lose hope. Cast away not your confidence that has the great recompense of reward. For he that said it, he will do it. Hebrews 6, 12, that be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. When we have, when we, when, 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 when we have expectation for things, he says, do not be slothful. Followers of them, follow those who through faith and patience is good. Many of us have faith, but that patience part is not there. But you, if you receive the promise that God has given you, if you expect it, you need to have faith and have patience. And faith is the substance of things hoped for, and patience as well. It's, when we're talking about patience, it's, it's, it's about hopefulness, because it's not just about waiting for it, but about waiting in expectation of what God will do when you ask for something. The Bible says in Romans 8.25, he says that when we ask for something and we have not received it, we hope for it in patience. So be not slothful, follow, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, it because let's open to Hebrews chapter 6. Just keep it reading. Hebrews 6 12. He said, Be not slothful, followers of them who do faith and patience, inherit the promise. For when God made promise to Abraham, because it was swear by no greater, he swear by himself, saying, Blessing, I'll bless you, multiply now, I'll multiply you. After Abraham had patiently endured, he inherited the promise. For men verily swear by the greater, verse 16. For an oath for confirmation is to end them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing, the more abundantly to show unto the heads of his promise, the immutability of his counsel, confirmed by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we may have a strong consolation who have fled to lay refuge upon the hope that is set for us. You might have consolation to lay hold of the hope that is set for us. Which hope we have as an anchor for the soul. Anchor is that thing that is put in the midst of the sea when the ship is about to drift. So if anything will stabilize your soul, if anything will keep your heart steady from drifting, it is hope. He says, which hope? Verse 19, which hope we have as an anchor for the soul? Both sure and steadfast and enter within the veil. If there's anything that describes a veil, it is that veil. When Jesus died on the cross and said it is finished, the veil of the temple tore from top to bottom and we are able to access into the presence of the Holy of Holies. Which veil has been removed? He says, verse 19, he says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and entered within the veil. If you would enter within that veil that God has provided, if you would enter within that veil, that veil of the temple that has been torn by the breathing of the death of Jesus, it is by hope. He says, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, sure and steadfast and enter within the veil. Whether we have a forerunner who's entered for us, even Jesus made an high priest forever. So Jesus has entered that veil. He tore the veil of the temple, top to bottom. If you enter into that veil and assess the presence of the Father, if you enter that veil and assess the presence of the Almighty into the Holy of Holies, it is by hope. It is by hope. Not just by faith. The reason your faith is ineffective, the reason why your faith is not as strong, why it looks theoretical, is because you are not hoping for anything. If you lose anything, do not lose hope. Hope is an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. You need to confidently expect that God is able to do that which He promised. Confidently expect hope will keep you believing. Hope will
will keep you praying. Hope will keep you expecting. Hope will keep you confidently expecting. Confidently expect that you are victorious. Confidently expect that that weakness that you were born into, you shall overcome it. That infirmity that is stopping, that infirmity that is in your body, in the body of the flesh, that you get healing. Confidently expect that that condition you are in, that God is able to bring you. Confidently expect that He's able to make make all grace abound to you. Confidently expect that you are able to live a victorious life. You need to confidently expect because faith will not just do it if you have hope for nothing. You need to confidently expect. You need to build your hope that hope is able to do it for you. Hope is an anchor of the soul that is sure and steadfast. Why should I keep hoping? Because God has given me a promise. If you have a promise, you know that you need to hope for something. God who has promised, he will never fail. His faithfulness is forevermore. God has given us his word of promise. We believe, therefore we speak. So when God has given you a promise, and you know that God is giving you that promise in his word, all you need to do is to hope for it. Because if you don't hope for it, you cannot have faith for it as his word. So God expects that when he gives you a promise, he's able to do it. Hebrews 6, I read earlier, says, Be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. So when God made a promise to Abraham, we read in Romans chapter 4, that he hoped and believed in hope that he will become the father of many generations. Why should I have hope? You need to have hope because God has given you a promise of his word. And he says the word that he's given, it shall not return to him void. It shall accomplish that will send it and it shall prosper in that which he pleased. Confidently expect that God is able to make all grace abound to you. Confidently expect that God is able to do for you exceeding abundantly above all you ask or think according to his power that works in you. Confidently expect that you are able to come from that financial mess out of debt. You are, come, you are able to climb out of debt and become financially prosperous. You need to confidently expect that God is able to do for you what he has promised in his word. He said, we'll be the head, I'll be the, I'll be the head and not be the tail. He said, I'll be above only, I'll never be beneath. He said, I will prosper and be in health and my soul will also prosper. Confidently expect that you are healed from that sickness, from that disease. Confidently expect that that thing that they diagnose you, which are overcome it. Confidently expect that he's able to do for you what he has promised in his word. He said, faith is he who has promised and who also will do it. He has declared it from the end. Isaiah 43, 21 said, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient time the things that are yet to be. That by counsel he shall stand. If you know the counsel of God for you, if you know the plans for, of God for you, if you know the future that God has for you, then you confidently expect it, that he's able to do it. He said, the thought that I have for you is thought of good and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. If God is giving you a future, if he's giving you a hope, the only thing you can do to build your faith is to confidently expect. Confidently expect that God is able to do that which your heart desires. Yes, you are still praying for it. Yes, you are still believing for it. Yes, you are still, you, you, you are still not seeing the need for it. Yes, you are still planning for it, but you need to hope for it. You need to hope for it. If everything is taken away from you, when you face tribulation, the Bible says, Romans 5, 5, hope will not make you ashamed. You need to confidently expect. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 20, he says that come to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Today, I declare unto you double. God is going to give you double for all your troubles. He's going to give you double for all the shame that you've gone through. He's going to bring you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for money, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Because we serve a God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above what I ask or think. Why should I have hope? God has given us a promise in his word. God has given us a promise and he's able to do it. He has the power to do it. He's great in power. He's excellent in power. He has, he, 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 he has done it before for people and he will do it for me. Hope for the ignorant. When the Bible says that be not ashamed that God is in the midst of you, he knows what he's talking about. Be not ashamed. Have hope. When people ask you, 
First Peter chapter 3, verse 15, where we read, where we read at the start, it says that be ready to give an answer for anyone that asks you the reason of the hope that you have with meekness and fear. Anytime your heart is troubled, anytime your heart is distressed, know that God has given you a promise. God is able to do it. God is willing to do it exceeding abundantly. He said, I will. When the man with leprosy came to Jesus, Jesus said, I will be thou whole. God is not just able to do it. God is not just, God is not just capable of doing it. He said, I am willing to do it. God is willing to do it. He is loving enough to do it. Everything that you are hoping for and your heart is in trouble and you're hoping for and your heart is in distress and you're hoping for and your heart is, is, is perturbed and is not able to do it. Paul said when he went to Macedonia, the outside were filled with fighting. Second Corinthians 7 5. Without were fighting, within they were fierce. But he confidently expects that the gospel is going to be preached in this place. And, and he preached the gospel there and the gospel be, and the gospel grew. And he says in Acts 19 20 that so mightily grew the word of God and it's prevailed. Because he hoped, he hoped in the gospel that the gospel will reach the poor. He hoped in the gospel that the gospel will touch every life. Uh, who will have all men saved and come to the knowledge of truth? When God said, I want all men saved, he said, I will that all men will be saved. First Timothy 2 4 says, I will that all men will be saved and will come to the knowledge of the truth. If all men is to be saved, God said, it is my will. So if God is giving you a word, it means you should confidently expect that he's willing and he's able to do more than you ask or think. So this morning, when you talk to God, I want you to rise on your feet and begin to talk to God. Have there been things in your mind that you've been hopeless about? Have there been circumstances that have been heavy on your heart and God has not done it so far? You need to confidently expect that God will do it. Talk to God and say, God, help me, oh God, that my heart will begin to believe that it will happen. My heart will begin to believe that it will happen.